Good morning. I'm Bishop Craig. Kathy and I are delighted to be with you. Um, you have been in our family prayers and in the staff prayers um, as we pray for Pastor David and Judy as he recovers, as Pastor for Pastor Marcy. Has she checked out yet? As she checks out, and for all of you as you hang in and step up, and we're very grateful. So before I was a bishop, I was a professor and a scholar and a biographer of Ambrose, the fourth century bishop of Milan, Italy. And studying St. Ambrose as a bishop and some of the stuff he had to do showed me all the reasons why I would not want to be a bishop. Because Ambrose had to preside to be the judge at Christian court. So members of the church would bring their cases to Ambrose and he would adjudicate them. Because Christians are, have a different goal than the pagans, if you will. Um, Christians are, want to be motivated to be reconciled in Christ and the pagans in the Roman courts simply want to win. So I was like, thank, and thank goodness that I don't have to preside at court. Did you know that congregations sometimes have conflicts? <laughs> they get mad because they don't like what the pastor wears. They disagree on where the spoons go in the drawer. Should we do traditional worship or contemporary worship? We, we're down to a few people. We don't need 38 worship services. We all agree as long as we have it at the time. I want to go to church. And when it doesn't work out in-house, guess who they call? It was so, it's gotten such in our churches that my staff and I spent this week um, studying uh, with the, the Lombard Mennonite Peace Institute on how to do Christian mediation. How to try to help people reconcile in Christ. Because we have what's been going on since Corinth. I belong to Paul and I belong to Apollos and we have sides and who wins and all of that good stuff. And Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus ups the stakes. A few weeks ago, Jesus said, do you think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets? No, I tell you, not one word, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter shall pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. And then Jesus kind of walks us through the commandments. And if you notice, he picks four things that are at the heart of our relationship with God and with one another. Anger, adultery, divorce, and giving your word. 
And Jesus makes it really tough. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever commits murder is liable to judgment. I'm good. I haven't killed anybody lately. Have you? But Jesus says, I say to you, whoever gets angry with a brother or sister, whoever says, kind of, you fool, whoever lets angry words slip out of their mouth, is guilty. Anybody utter a harsh word this week? So if your brother and sister, if you're on your way to make your offering and you find that your brother and sister has something against you, drop the offering and first go be reconciled. Have you noticed where the peace goes in the service? Right before we what? Make our offering. Right? The peace of the Lord be with you always. It's not about, good morning, good to see you, I like your new tie. This is about being reconciled with each other before we come to the altar. It's about not saying hello to your friends and ignoring the people you're mad at but making a beeline for the one who may have something against you. Peace be with you. I'm remembering a few years ago, I forget whose funeral it was. It might have been, it was a political figure. And in the pews, we had the Clintons, and we had the Trumps, and we had the Bushes, and it was a pretty religious service. And they got to the peace. And we watched our divided political leaders exchange the peace of Christ. Oh, our country would be a better place, yes? Not enough to not murder. What do you do with, how do you express your anger? Adultery. Not going to ask if you've committed adultery. Because we all have, at least according to Jesus. You look at anyone with lust. You reduce anyone to an object of gratification. Even in your mind, was it Jimmy Carter? I've lusted in my heart. Guilty! And then there's divorce. Oh my goodness, how as a young pastor... I sidestepped talking about divorce. I was afraid to offend anyone. Then finally I got up my courage and talked about divorce, and the divorce is never clean, it's never easy, there's always scars, there's always hurts. Even if it's the right thing to do, it is not without sin and pain and brokenness. And all the divorced people stopped by my office the next week to say... Thank you for naming the pain out loud. And the truth of the matter is, if we dig through the relationships in our lives, 
We're all divorced from someone, aren't we? There's some distance that breaks our relationship with someone to whom we used to be close. And then there is oaths. Jesus says, don't swear by heaven or earth, by God, or even the hair on your head, because you have no control over it. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Let your word be good. Wouldn't that be novel if we could trust everybody's word? If people gently spoke the truth in love, if we said what we meant, and meant what we said... Do you think that my word, do you you think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets? No, Jesus said, I've come to up the ante. I've come to intensify them. I've come to make them harder. Why? So that you all will move beyond thinking you're right or righteous. So you will see that there's more about life than winning. When we have been sinned against, Jesus says, we might be invited to realize by how much we miss the mark. I've never killed, but I have been angry. I never have committed adultery, but I look at that movie star with lust. I'm not divorced, except for my biological brother or sister or second cousin or former friend. And, and yeah, when I say yeah, I, I mean I'll try. Yeah, maybe Jesus ups the ante so that we will know how much, by how much we, too, miss the mark. And recognizing how much we miss the mark, we won't rely on our righteousness, which is fleeting and faltering and failing. Instead, we will know our need of God. And knowing our need of God, we will turn toward God for grace and forgiveness, remembering the promise of baptism, hearing the story of Jesus who went to the cross and died for people who didn't deserve it, who failed when it came to righteousness. Jesus went to the cross to die for us, to know that even when we miss the mark, nothing will keep God from loving us. And that when Jesus rose, he brought us with him so that we may strive and struggle and dare to live a godly life. And when we falter and fail and fumble, we can try again. We come to the table to receive Christ's body and blood, yes, as forgiveness. 
and also as encouragement to try anew. It is so easy to become divided, even in church, and to be right and righteous and self-righteous and to seek justice and to win. Jesus invites us to take a moment, to take a deep breath, to realize who we are apart from him, sinners in need of grace, and maybe to dare the one, to dare to regard the one to whom we are momentarily opposed in the same way. A sinner in need of grace, just like us. And then we can be free to offer that grace, the peace of Christ, be with you always. Amen.